This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. God is definitely moving in our midst. And you can tell that by the Word of God. You can tell by the Word of God, the revelation of the Word of God in the hearts of people. And how it changes the lives of people. How it strengthens us. How it comforts us. And we need strengthening. We need comforting. You know, um, you know, God, the Bible says that He who calls upon the name of the Lord shall not be disappointed. The problem is that we stop calling on the name of the Lord. And instead of calling on the name of the Lord, because you have a, you have a choice in this walk. This walk is not... This walk is not... It's it's interesting. Because this walk is not about you being made to do anything. You you, you don't have... And the thing about it is a lot of times when you think you... And that's the attitude sometimes people have when they're in... You know, church, well, then you know, I'm, I'm doing this only because of this and I'm doing this because of that. And you really, that is not going to keep you. Because when the time, when you get tired, and you will get tired, you will get tired of the work that you do. And when you get tired, if God is not your keeper, you're going to run. You're not going to stay. Because you're trusting in man. You're trusting in something that God is like, no. Your hope and your trust has to be in Him. You know, if you want to be kept, I think that's the question. If you want to be kept, you will be kept. If you want to run, he's going to let you run. You know, but it was not him. It's you always got to remember. Always look when you look to God. He's always going to address what is really going on with you. It's not necessarily you can tell people. You know, this is this reason or that reason. But when you're by yourself with God, He's like, no, I know the real reason. And this is the real reason why you do things. And this is why I deal with you the way I do. Because if I look back in my life, I can see how God dealt with me based on what I really wanted. You know, I was kept because that's what I wanted. I wanted to be kept. You know, And that's what you've got to make up in your mind. If you want to be kept in the, in the kingdom of God, you have to make up your mind. That I want the the thing is what you have to make up in your mind is I want to fall in love with Jesus. I don't want to do I don't want to do this because my mom's doing it, my dad's doing it. I want to, I don't want to do this because my wife is doing it, my husband is doing it. I really want to fall in love with Jesus. And when you have that set in your heart, that's when God starts working in your life. He continually works and works and works because He knows where your desire is. That's exactly how He told Peter. So you you don't worry about nobody else. You follow me. That's all you have to worry. You just keep on following. You follow me. And that's what God tells us this evening. You just have to keep on following. We started this teaching in Ephesians uh, talking about the armor of God for some time now. And uh, has God blessed you? Not just with, with this session right here, but has God blessed you in the teaching? Have you learned anything? You know, and you know the reason why you've learned something? Because there are some people that can say, well, you know, I really didn't learn that much. And that goes back for what I was telling you, is that there's something in that person that learns something that is not in you. There's something that's in play. Even though you both have, you could have both received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the person that has learned something and gathered something and said, no, no, I want this, they have something in place. 
And I've noticed it, because you noticed the first time I got up here, I started speaking in Spanish to you. And the reason I started speaking in Spanish to you, because I knew some of y'all wouldn't understand. And that was the whole point. You didn't understand me, so you couldn't follow me. You couldn't obey what I just said. You couldn't be fruitful. And I told you that this whole, and really, this whole session on uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 and 17 has been about going after God. It really has. It's about grabbing a hold of something. Taking up something. Everything from, uh, above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is about you being effective in the kingdom of God. It, it goes beyond just you being protected. God is like, no, I am looking for someone when I come to them, they're prepared. They're prepared to hear. They've heard what I've already said. They're prepared where I'm not only working in them, but I'm working through them. See, the helmet of the, the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, to me these things must be taken. They must be, I told you this, that God makes it available to all believers. It is for their taking. It is, it's available for them only for their taking. If they don't take they will not be able to stand. And if they cannot stand, they will not benefit anyone in the body. Because all they can do is see, this is chicken. They can only go by and say, this is what you're not supposed to do. That's all they can be an example of. I don't want to be an example of what, I was not, of what somebody's not supposed to do. That's not what I want to do. I want people to look at me and say, no, you can follow him. You can, he can instruct you. He can teach you. He can, you know, he, you can hang with him because you will be protected. You will be shielded. You will be, you will be given hope. See, the thing is, I want to tell you, the helmet of salvation, that, that, that hope of salvation, it's not only to give you hope, but you can give other people hope in the time of their need and the time of their struggle. That's what God is doing. He's not, this is not about just you looking at, well, I want to learn these things. No. You, unless, Unless you actually go after them, you will not learn them. You cannot, you can like, oh, this is what this is. But in, in, until you go after it, you really don't know what hope is. Okay, you can tell me that the helmet of salvation is a hope of salvation. But you can't tell me what it is. You can only define it, but you can't explain it. You cannot tell me how it operates and what it does in the life of the believer. You can't tell me how the shield of faith is not only going to shield and protect and deliver you, but shield, protect and deliver all those that are with you, all those that are following you, all those that are coming after you. See, think about Hebrews chapter 11. We feed off their faith. We're delivered off their faith. We're protected off their faith. The hope that they had, it says, says, for faith is the substance of things hoped for. Their faith was full of hope. And we live by that same hope. There's no other hope that we live by. The helmet of salvation, that hope of salvation that actually, when I told you this, you know, and we're going back and just, just touching on some things, but I made mention that that hope, the hope of this world, it can't sustain you. The hope of this world is shaky. It's a wish. It's a wish, but at the very end, even when you get what you've wished for, it's still shaky. It cannot stand because it's fading away. But the hope that we put on our mind for protection of our mind that preserves us, like 
and I can name you know people that have gone through sicknesses and diseases, and they I guarantee you the only thing that kept them was hope. They only said, "I have hope that you don't know nothing of." And what I mean by that is the belief and the unbeliever. They don't have the same hope. They they're like, "My God, I wish." See, we have a hope that at the very end of the day that we can run to Jesus. At the very end of the day, that regardless of what happened, regardless of what went on, that we can run to Jesus and He is going to comfort. He is going to sustain. He's going to keep. He's a, the Bible says he's a, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. See, that's the hope that we need. That's the shield of faith that we need. We don't need these other things. But I told once again, all of that is available for our taking. For taking up. Taking a hold of. And I, and I told you, if you don't grab anything, you just grab a hold of that definition that I'm interested in. I'm involved in. And I'm engaged in a pursuit. That's what all Ephesians chapter 6, chapter 6 verse 16 and 17 is all about. I have become interested in what God is, is interested in. I'm involved in it. And I'm engaged in this pursuit. And I'm going to go after it. And see, the thing about it is that you don't think God takes notice of that. He already knows. I love the fact that God already knows that you were going to go after it from the beginning. That's why He made it available for you. He's like, no, I, this is yours. I, he puts you in front of you. Think that you it's so funny. We think we come to an understanding because just, just on our own. God, like, you, you, you hunger so much that I want to make sure you put with the right people. I came to this church because of my hunger, because of my desire, because of my want. See, there was purpose here and God was like, I have purpose for you. That's why He told me through that one sister. He goes, the word that you violently, you've been desiring. He said, I was only 22 years old. The word that you've been desiring, you're finally going to get it. That's all she did. And I was like, well, maybe I'm going to get a specific word. But you know, God doesn't explain what He's, what he's telling you at that time. He, doesn't, he reveals it to you line upon line. And, pre- and then when I started understanding and I became a witness, I'm like, oh, this is what this is. This is exactly what this is. But I had something in place. And that was, I was interested in. I was involved in. And I was engaged in a pursuit. And if you don't have those things in place, not only the interest, but I'm involved in this. I'm engaged in this pursuit. See, that's why... And, 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 you, and the thing about it, it's not only about being involved in services and being busy. It's about... After that, it's like, I told God, you, you know, I'm talking to Brother Eberhard, and I'm like, Brother Eberhard, do you ever feel that you didn't study enough? I'm like, and he goes, yeah, until I get up there. And then it all starts coming out. Because sometimes I'm like, God, I just don't find enough time to study on. I want to study. I want to study more. And then I'm thinking, and, and, and you, the times that I have, I, I, I was telling God, but you, you saw my pursuit in this. You saw what I was pursuing. You saw what I wanted. You saw that I just, I don't want to just get up there and try to, to wing something. I want to make sure I understand it. I want to make sure I have this in my heart that I can give it to those that are hearing. Because that's how God is going to work. See, the sword of the Spirit, you notice how it says it's the sword of the Spirit. It's not your sword. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God working. That's what He's doing. He is working in our lives. Like when I give you a word and it becomes revelation to you, He's working in your heart. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the Word of God is living. 
It's quick, it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the dividing center of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it's a discerner of your thoughts and intents of your heart. It says there's nothing hidden in your sight. That's the Holy Ghost working in you. But He only does that by the revelation. That's the sword of the Spirit working in your life. He says, you know, but the thing is, we have to take hold of it. Because see, the sword of the Spirit, the word, the Bible, it says, a word spoken in season to those who are weary. You know that can be given to anyone. Anyone can, can receive that. But not anybody can be used to speak a word through. And that's a difference. Because the ones that the Spirit of God works through... Is, the, is those that have been instructed, taught, learned, and discipled. He doesn't speak a word through people. There's not a word of... There's, there's not a, the sword of the Spirit that's working. It's, it's interesting. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back to the notes. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go back to the Scriptures. Let's read it. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's start at verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on, so He's telling you, you put it on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So the armor of God is for us to stand against the wiles of the devil because if we don't stand against the wiles of the devil, we'll be unfruitful in the kingdom of God. We will be no good for no one. You will not be good for your husband. You will not be good for your wife. You will not be good for your children. You will not be good for your, for, your, for your family members, your siblings. You will not be good for this church if you cannot stand. So it says, Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore... For that reason, wherefore, take unto you, you take it, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all. So until you did it all, don't stop. You do all. Having done all to stand, stand. You keep, he said, after you did everything, all I'm expecting you to do, just keep on standing. See, so you say, you know what, I've done everything I can. And then I will look at you and say, Stand. You keep on standing. You say, well, I want to run. I want to walk away from this. This is, I, I'm not understanding. I'm confused. I have so many decisions to make. And God says, stand. All I want you to do is stand and see the salvation of your God. But once again, where is your heart at? What do you want from God? Because all He wants you to do is stand and He does the work. So you keep standing. Once again, stand therefore, verse 14, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, and this is verse 16 and 17, which I've been focusing on. Above all, or in a higher place, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and, and I will say, I don't want to be wrong, and I say, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's where we're at. I told you the objectives of this teaching, and just to go over them, is to define and describe the weapons and their functions. But not only to define them, and this is where this is key, this is what to me has been prominent in this teaching. Not only to define them and describe their functions, but I want to clearly show the commanding responsibility. There's a responsibility that God commands 
in these passages of scriptures. He's not he's not saying that you have even though you have a choice, he said, No, if you're a believer, I command you. I command you to do this. This is not see when we're in, see, remember, Paul was looking at a soldier. Do you think a soldier had a right to tell his sergeant or those that are over him, I am not going to do that? Did he have a right? Could he do it? Yes, he could. He could do it, but he had no right to do it. And God is like, no, I'm not giving you. I'm telling you. I'm commanding you. You take it. You take a hold of this. You take this up. Once again, the commanding responsibility upon the believer's life regarding the armor of God that is found in these passages of Scripture. And the goal of the teaching is to equip this body of believers with wisdom to continue to stand in the midst of spiritual warfare. We want our understanding to be enlightened as it pertains to who it is that's in the midst of our battles and the wisdom and might that He affords each individual member so that we may be a blessing to the entire body. You know, and I go back, and this is the thing that stuck out to me the most was what the armor indicates in the last teaching. It indicates where our loyalty lies. And you can see that in what you take hold of and what you take up. You can tell what you're devoted to and you're committed to. He says, the armor indicates where your loyalty lies, where, it, where, it, where, it, where it's at, who you are loyal to. God is like, if you take this up, you're loyal to me because you're equipping yourself not only to stand, but to show other people how to stand. So once again, it goes back to this. He says, it also it indicates who fights for you or who, who, who you're fighting for and who fights for you. Who you protect and who's protecting you. All that goes back to what the, what the armor does. It's not only for you. It's also for those that will follow, those that are watching. See, you know that somebody is watching you. Somebody, I guarantee you, people are watching me. They're watching me because, and, and I've got to take that into consideration. Other people are watching me. So I can't just do, see, and this will come up, true freedom. True freedom is, I can do whatever. That's not, I can do whatever I want to do. That is not freedom. That is bondage. You're not free as a believer to do whatever you want to do. God has already commanded you what to do. And there is something about being a servant of God. If you say, you've got to look at your pursuit and what you've been going after. So, we ended up, once again, talking about the shield of faith and what faith does in the life of the believer, the hope of salvation. But now we've come to the sword of the Spirit. And I want you to go stay on Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we've all heard it. People will pick up their Bible and say, This is my sword. And I will tell you this. In the time of your temptation, in the time of your trial, in the time of your test, you pick this up and you put it in the devil's face or in your temptation's face and nothing will change for you. Because the devil is no, doesn't care, doesn't, doesn't give a care if you have a Bible. The devil, the devil knows this. He knows certain things about... He, he, he knows what the Scripture says. Because he quoted it to the Savior, to the, to the Word of God. He, he had the audacity to quote a Scripture to the Word of God. To the living Word, he quoted a Scripture. 
He quoted a scripture like he thought he knew what he was talking about. You know, having no understanding or revelation, because the Bible says if he had not, if he had known what God was doing, he would have never crucified the King. He never would have gone after the King of Glory. Never. See, so the thing is, God is the devil is not interested in you not having a Bible. The devil doesn't want the contents of what's in the Scriptures in your heart. That's what he does not want. He doesn't want the Scriptures to become a part of who you are. Because once the Scriptures become a part of who you are, now the Holy Spirit is working. Not only in you, but through you. See, I'm going to, go on. I'm going to read a few things. Both the Logos and the Rhema, and these are all from my notes, and often the notes that were given me, are both translated word in the New Testament. Both of them. They're translated. There's, there's one scripture that he used Logos and one that uses Rhema. Rhema, Logos is the, that which is uttered. Both of them actually mean that which is uttered of God. So what is the difference between these two words? The Logos, when the scripture uses the word that was written. And I'll explain the difference. And it uses Rhema, which is right here it uses which, uh, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Rhema of God. It's the revealed word of God. Okay, so they are both associated with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit, both of them. Both of them, the Holy Spirit gave the Logos and the Holy Spirit gives the Rhema. He does them both. And they both basically mean uttered or spoken by God. So what is the difference? And I will give you the answer in this way. I want you to write down what the difference is. The, the difference can be experienced. This is the way I want you to write it. The difference can be experienced by what you do with what has been given, which is the Logos. The difference can be seen. See, because when you're trying to identify the difference, the Logos is that which was spoken by God to the prophets and, written, and, the, and, the, and they wrote the Scriptures. So everything you see here, given by inspiration of God, this is the Logos. Everything that has been given to the apostles to write the scriptures was given by the Spirit of God to the apostles. He says, I give it to you. So everything that they wrote was given inspiration. Let's go to a scripture just to back that up. Let's go to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. I have some time. So, Second Peter chapter 1. And I like Second Timothy, how Second Timothy says it a little bit better. But we'll go to First Peter, Second Peter, I'm sorry. Verse 20. Chapter 1, verse 20 and verse 21. It says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is, any, is of any private interpretation. Are we all there? Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. So, men had nothing to do with this. The only thing men had to do with it was their obedience. That's all man... They, they obeyed and they wrote. 
That's all they... They just obeyed. It was not their word. It was not their wisdom. It was not their understanding. So, that by... It says, so the... I'm going to read it again. It says, For the prophecy, verse 21, came not in old time by the will of man, but holy man of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost moved upon them. They wrote the Scriptures. And it was given... That's why it says, well, a man wrote this. No, there's not a man alive there's not a man on this world, there's not a man bright enough to write this. There is no man alive that can write. No, I don't care how smart you are, educated. The Bible says this for you to say, for those that say, well, a man wrote it. The Bible says that the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. There is foolishness. And you know what? You don't know nothing. How do you like somebody come up to you and you think you're doing something really good and they look at you, you know what? You, you don't know. You know about nothing. You know that what you just did was about nothing. It makes you feel this little, right? Like you didn't. You, what you did, that's not about nothing. And that's the way God is when you people, when men try to exalt themselves about how wise they are. It says, "Where is the wise? Where is the scholar?" He said, "God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise." He said, "I chose fishermen, and I confound you. I chose people with, that are without ed- education to confound you. And you think you have wisdom, and I give it to people." They just have the right heart. You see, God is just looking for the right heart. So He's given it to them. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And these are just scriptures that we're going to go over just to confirm what I just said. That it was given by the Spirit of God. 2 Timothy. Let me find that scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I love this. Verse 16. I like verse 14. Let's start at verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been taught, hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise into salvation. So they're able to make us wise not for our own good or our own benefit, but into salvation. They're made, they're able to, they have, there's a purpose behind knowing the Scriptures. They're able to make you wise unto salvation. Where am I at? Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture. He says all of it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So, we're answering. It is the Holy Spirit that gives the Scriptures. And that is the Logos. So, the Logos has been made available for all mankind. All mankind have the Logos. It's been made available for them. But not everybody has Rhema. Not every, Because once again, Logos is made available, but Rhema has to be taken. Because remember he says, take and taking the shield of faith, wherewith you, be shall, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So there is a taking here too. And you're going to see, because it's going to be very evident. You know what? I do have to take a hold of this. I have to become, once again, take it up. Become interested in it. Be involved in it. Be engaged in that pursuit. And if you're not, this is never going to be working in your life. You know, there's people, and you notice, and there's a difference. People, some people that get up all the time, when the Spirit of God told me this, and God told me this, and God, and you know, they have a word for everybody. 
You know, and, and tell you the truth, a lot of times that is just excitement and zeal. And there's nothing wrong with that. But some people just go way overboard. Because, you know, God is like, hey, I, I spoke to him. So I'm like, are you greater than Abraham? You know, Abraham, God, God spoke to him here and he, he waited a while to speak to him again. But he expected him to live by the same word. And God is always telling you something. And sometimes it's something different than what he told you a week ago or the two weeks ago. God doesn't do that. God is like, no, He'll speak something. The Bible says He gives you a word in season to speak to those who are weary. It's a seasoned word. It's a word that's going to strengthen, it's going to protect you, it's going to help you, it's going to encourage you, it's going to strengthen you. But after He gives you that, you know He expects you to live by that. He, you know, ever notice that God will give you a, a word and it excites you today and it'll lift you up and all of a sudden you feel like, just a mess the next day. It's like, where is that word? Where is the word of God? And God has said, the, the just shall live by faith. You remember your pastor? How this, he was saying, you know, God, why is everybody else getting a word? Why is everybody else getting a word? And God told him, the just shall live by faith. He said, that's, what I, that's the word I give you. You know, remember, and I, and I say this, he is the wisest man I ever walked with in my life was my pastor. And he told you that reading is fundamental, but understanding is crucial. And that's what he was talking. You're going to have to come to an understanding. You can read this all you want, but you're going to have to go after an understanding. Because an understanding only comes from those that take up, that take hold of, that become interested in, involved in, and engaged in a pursuit. And until you have that in your life, you will never have God truly working in your heart the way you're supposed to. Now, He loves you. Now, He has mercy upon you because He makes the sun shine upon the good and the evil, rain upon the good and the evil. He, does, he loves you. There's no change there. But if you really want God working in your life, you better take it up. You better take hold of it. You better be interested in it. You better be engaged in it. You better be in, engaged in this pursuit, involved in it. Because God doesn't change. He's like, no, I, I have this for you. So the Logos, it's available. But the whole, the, I'm going to continue reading some notes that I have. Okay, the Logos is that which is given by inspiration of God. And we read it. The Logos is that which was spoken by God to the prophets and written in the Scriptures. This is what has been available for all believers. Logos is that which is given by the Spirit of God to the Apostle. But Rhema is the working of the Holy Ghost. It is the working of the Holy Ghost by the rhema that's in the believer. See, once that's why you have to be in pursuit of it. Because the Holy Spirit can only... What does it say? He'll bring to remembrance those things which He has what? He has spoken to you. And then if it's not in you, He cannot speak something through you. He cannot remind you of things that are not in you. He can only remind you of things that you have placed in your heart. When you have a word that comes up, it's a, that's the Spirit of God working in you, giving you an understanding of the word that has been placed in you. But once again, it's only given to those that go after it. I'm going to continue reading. But Rhema, or the sword of the Spirit, comes from an understanding of the will of God and it's for His service and the service of His people. Rhema finds its origin in Logos for it comes from an understanding that you have of the Logos. A Rhema word, I want you to write this. Spoken in season, it exhorts, it corrects, 
It brings clarity and direction to you and others. A rhema is a word spoken in season that exhorts, corrects, brings clarity and direction to others. So in the time of temptation, I don't need just this. In the time of my temptation, I need someone speaking a word that's in season. A word that's going to help me. Because my friends, and my, my brothers and sisters, you can't tell me you've never had a need or that you never struggled with something in your Christian walk. You, ever, you, you never struggled with something in your mind, something of your flesh that gave you a hard time that's like, I'm having a hard time overcoming. I remember times in my life that, the, that it, it, it wasn't necessarily working in me, but I had positioned myself for it to happen in my life, where things were just not going the way I thought it was going. And I thought, I was, I was about to make a decision when I was like about 25 years old. I was about to make a decision that would have changed the course of my life. And I was already at Church of the Living Water. And I remember, I thought that day, no, this is why I got up that Sunday morning. This is what I'm going to do because this is what I want to do. And I'm like, I, I went to church like I usually did. And lo and behold, the Word of God came forth. It came forth in a mighty way where I knew it was specifically for me. That was for me. It actually... And you know, have you ever had your emotions just going so crazy, your mind saying all sorts of different things and all of a sudden the Word comes and it's like, calm down. Stand still. And that's the way God is. But that's rhema given through somebody else speaking a word in season to those that are weary. See, you come to, to church and you don't even know that you're... I, I hear people, sometimes it's interesting because I can be ministering the Word of God and I guarantee you other ministers have done the same thing that are like, you know what, man, this is just not flowing the way I think it should flow. This is, I'm like, I, I thought it should go in this direction. I thought this should be happening. And all of a sudden somebody come up and goes, you know, right before service we were talking about this and you spoke something that really helped me. You know, I don't know, you know, there's times, and you've noticed, there's times that you could be saying things, going through something, and all of a sudden, the Word of God comes forth. And you're like, where did that come from? And yes, we're all in the same boat. We all compassed about with flesh. But there are times that you are really strengthened and encouraged. You know, there was a time that I, you know, especially in this past few months in the season that, that I was going through, through through things with my mother, that I'm like, you know, hey, I'd rather go home. It was a Friday night. It was men of integrity. And I'm like, I'd rather go home because I was really tired. I really wanted to get some things taken care of. And I stopped. I said, you know what? I have to stop. I had stopped. I walked in and it was an encouraging word for me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm glad I came. Because I was strengthened. I was comforted. But somebody had a word. Somebody had the Logos in him where the Spirit of God was working so they can give me that word. Because somebody took a hold of something. Someone took up something. Someone actually went out after, was interested, involved, and engaged in a pursuit. And it became what the Spirit of God was working. Remember, it's his sword. It's his sword that he works with. It's, he works it through you. But he says, you need to take this up because this is how you're going to be able to stand and you're going to help other people stand in the time of their temptations or trials and tests. See, these are not just cutesy little things that we see. He saw a helmet and a soldier. He saw a breastplate of righteousness. All these things mean something. All these things are for our benefit, for our strengthening, our encouragement that we can continue, that we can continue going strong. We need this, church. 
the reason that we are at times and the places that we are is because this is not our pursuit. And you will see that God is like, no, this is what I expect of you. See, God expects this of His servants. That's an expectation when He says, take, when I tell you the commanding responsibility that's found in these Scriptures, He goes, no, I command this. Once again, I'm going back to this. I command you to take this. I command you to take hold of this. To take it up. I'm commanding you to do so. He said, because at the end of the day, you and somebody else is going to need it. Because I, I don't care what you think. You're young right now. You're young right now. Oh, I'm married. I'm just recently married. Enjoying myself. I've just had children. Enjoying myself. But you give it some time. You're going to go through some stuff. Your faith is going to be tried. Your relationships will be tried. You're going to struggle with some things. Things are going to happen. And, until, and, unless, and unless that hope Unless that shield of faith is there, that hope of salvation, that sword of the Spirit, you're not, you're not going to come out the way you should come out. Because it's easy to come out in bitterness. It's easy to come out saying, you know, I don't trust Him anymore. It's easy to come out, but it's a different when you come out and God is like, you did well. I'm on your side. I'm strengthening you. I'm comforting you. It's easy to be so secure. And you can't tell me these things happen. It's great to be secure in your marriage. Where you're not jealous of anyone. You know why you're not jealous? Because your your heart can safely trust in her. But you can't safely trust in somebody that doesn't have that shield of faith, hope of salvation, and not working in the sword of the Spirit. You cannot safely trust in them. Because you see, you know, all these things is what we need. Like, for example, even in picking mates, relationships. Like, can you operate in this? Because you don't need somebody that's not going to be able to give you a word in season when you're weary. You do not need somebody like that. Like, for example, we look back at our pastor and see all the things that Sister Hill did. You know because she operated in that. She could give him a word in season when he was weary, when he, was, when he wasn't feeling like he could make it, when he was uh, not strengthened. He was able to give him a word and that word strengthened him and comforted him. Because how many, of, how many of you did pastor go to looking for counsel? You understand? If you think about it, how many of you do I come to looking for counsel? The thing is, it's not that you can't give it to me. It's not that. It's, it's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you that these pursuits, because we do have to come to a point where we can build up one another. So, okay, Minister Rodriguez can't be given a word because he's a minister. No, Minister Rodriguez is impassed about with the same flesh that you are. And Minister Rodriguez goes through things just like you go through. And sometimes he wants somebody just to pass by. Let me give him a word. Let me give him a word of encouragement. Because it doesn't matter who you are, it has to be working in you. You have to take it up. See, God, it's interesting how God works. Let's continue working. Let's continue moving here. Let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 50. Let me prove out that God only gives this word, this rhema to those that actually are operating in something. Remember I told you, take and take, uh, 
the shield of faith, taking the shield of faith wherewith you, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So I, I want to I prove out that we have to take these things. Isaiah chapter 15. Let's start at verse 1. We're going to read quite a few of these scriptures. Let's see what the Spirit of God is going to say to us. It says, Thus saith the Lord. I hear some pages. Isaiah chapter 50. Start at verse 1. We are fine. We can wait with one, for one another. Verse 1. It says, Thus saith the Lord. Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement? Whom I have put away? O which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have you sold you. Behold, for your have you sold yourselves. And for your transgression is your mother put away. He's saying, okay, show me the bill of divorce where I put you away. Show me to which creditor I sold you because I'm in debt. He said, I didn't, I didn't sell you and I didn't put you away. He said, you've done that yourself by your own sin and by your own transgression. You walked away from me. I've never walked away from you. See, God has never walked away from us. But he, verse 2, it says, Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? He goes, Wherefore, when I came, where I'm seeking a man. I'm looking for a man. When I call, I'm seeking for somebody to answer. Let's keep on going. Is my hand short at all? That's an, an emblem, I believe it's called. An example when he says, is my hand short at all? He says, am I weak? He says, because that signifies weakness. A short hand signifies weakness. He says, am I weak that I, that, that I cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Is, is it on my end when I sought for a man? He said, but, it, but it's not on my end. He says, when, verse 2, Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand short at all that it cannot redeem? Or have no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh because there is no water and, and dieth for thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. Verse 4. The Lord, this is a servant of God, the Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. I like that. It says, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. Why? That I should know how. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear and I was not rebellious. Neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheek to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Verse 4 again. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. Let's write down learned. Let's learn a few things. First, before we go into those definitions, this passage of Scripture is referring to the servant of Jehovah. Which is, is, a, a, is talking about Jesus Christ. It says, this is a servant of Jehovah. Who is the Messiah? The Lord Jesus Christ. So does this mean, because this passage is referring to him, that this passage cannot be used in relation to his children? His servants. When Philippians chapter 2 tells us that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant. And he says, let this mind be in you. He says, so that servant that I am to my father, it is required you to be that servant to the father. He said, he said I'm just giving you the example and he'll, you will see how Jesus did what he did. And, and he did it all not for his sake. Remember, Jesus did nothing for his sake because he is the Lord of glory. He is the creator. He did everything he did for your sake. So going back to the scripture, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He waketh my ear to hear as the learned. Learned. Write down the word learned. It means disciple. Learned. And I'm going to give you quite a few things here. I would love for you to write it down. You know, people that don't take notes, and I know sometimes it's hard, and you know, sometimes you, you can't gather, you're rather listening to the, to the, to the, to the message. And that's good. If you're that way, but if you're just like, hey, I, I didn't come prepared, I don't want to take note, I'm here to do time, this is not for you. It, it'll, never, it'll never be, what I mean by that, it will never operate in you the way it should operate in you. Because you have to spend, you have to want that. That's again, I'm interested in this. I'm involved in this. I'm engaged in this pursuit. You have to learn. If you're not going to take notes, you should be a person that listens to it on a continual basis so that you can actually put it in you. Because until you do, you have no word to speak to anyone that is weary. You don't, And that's the goal, people. That's the goal. Remember, we're supposed to not just be edified, but edify one another. What is the work of the ministry? It says... It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And he says, that they may build one another up in love. You cannot do it without the shield of faith. You cannot do it without the hope of salvation. And you will never do it without taking hold of the sword of the Spirit. You will never do it. So once again, going back to learn. It means disciple. Learn. That is one who is taught by another. Learned. Again, disciple. Learned that is one who is taught by another. And one of the lexicons is to receive revelation. Formally give the tongue of a disciple. I like that. The tongue, and I will repeat that because it's going it's to come up again. To receive the receiving of clear knowledge given from God. It's receiving of clear knowledge given from God to then be spoken to others. And this is what I wrote. And this is what I want you to write. This is one who has received revelation, who has been given the tongue of the disciple. That is, they have received clear knowledge given from God to be spoken to others. And I'm not finished with the definition because there's more. Am I going too fast? It's alright, I'm going to go back. Okay. Once again, the word learned. It means disciple. Learned. That is one who is taught by another. It means to receive revelation. Formally give the tongue of a disciple. And this is where we're going to stay on these right here. Learn means to be instructed. The word learned, again, in the Hebrew means to be instructed. Write these words, and I'm going to take my time with these words. Instructed, accustomed. Instructed, accustomed, disciple, 
learned, taught, once again, instructed, accustomed, disciple, learned, taught. So we can say, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the instructed. Not just the learned, but the Lord God has given me the tongue of the instructed. You can say, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the disciple. You can say, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the accustomed. You can say, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. And it's interesting that the learned have a tongue. The accustomed have a tongue. The instructed have a tongue. That means, all that means is they got something to say. All the reason I have something to say, my brothers and sisters, is because I've been instructed. I've been accustomed. I've been learned. I've been taught. I've been discipled. And that's the only reason that I have something to say. And he said, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the instructed, of the learned. The word accustomed. It means customary. And write them down and just meditate on I guarantee you the Spirit of God will start ministering to you. It means customary, usual, habitual. Customary, usual, habitual. Once again, customary, usual, habitual. And I like this word. This is where we're going to dwell. It means habituated. I'm almost finished with the definitions. Don't get tired. So again, a custom means customary, usual, habitual. It means habituated. The word habituated means to accustom the mind as to a particular situation. To accustom the mind as to a particular situation. You know that all of us as believers have accustomed our mind. We're supposed to have accustomed our mind as to a particular situation. To accustom the mind as to a particular situation to frequent. And I'm trying to take my time on purpose. And we will run shortly. It means to accustom the mind. Habituated. Because the word accustom means, it means habituated. The word habituated means to accustom the mind as to a particular situation to frequent. And frequent means constant, habitual, or regular. And God is saying... These things have to be in place in your life in order for me to work through you with my word. And if they're not, tell me how taking up is not a part of this. Taking a hold of, grabbing a hold of, making it yours. Remember, interested in, involved in, engaged in a pursuit. He's like, no, you have to want what I have. And once you want what I have, the Spirit of God not only works in you, but it works through you. Because the sword of spirit can operate through you. See, going back to this learn. This word habituated as it pertains to the subject at hand, the tongue of the learn. This person has accustomed their mind as to a particular situation. That is to sit at their master's feet. See, remember, and, and the sister made mention of Martha and Mary on Sunday. And the Bible says that Martha was cumbered about with much stuff. And you know what? I want to be honest. You can be so cumbered about with so many things. And I'm not just talking about life. I'm talking about even in service in ministry. 
encumbered about with so many things and don't understand that the Word of God is the most important. She made mention to you. She said, "Don't you, you minister, you give out, you do whatever you... And you've got to understand, you have to be fed. You have to be, you have to be ministered to. It's, and he's like, the most important thing to Mary was, I'm going to sit at his feet. And he said, I'm not going to take that away from her. Because that is needed. See, everybody has stuff to do. We all do. And we better make sure that we simplify our lives in such a fashion that we are able to hear the Word of God. Able to spend time with God. And you know what? She made mention constantly. They both made mention about our daily bread. You know, we need this. You know, God, I need... See, that's the same thing. He's like, you know, you're going after what I want. What I desire for you. You're making that pursuit. Interested in, in, involved in, engaged in a pursuit. So let's go back to this. So, this person has accustomed their mind as to a particular situation to sit at their master's feet. They accustom their mind to frequent, to frequent, that is, to have constant, habitual, and regular behavior in regards to hearing, receiving, and being a doer of the taught Word of God. That is their lifestyle. It's like, you know what, this is important to me. I have to have this. And I want to be honest with you. We all have flesh. And we all do not want to do certain things sometimes. But you have to go back to God. What did you call me to? What have you called me here to? See, God didn't call you to church of the living water just to sit. And what I mean by that is, I'm not talking about you getting busy. That, that's not what I'm talking about. Or find something to do. I'm talking about where you're not pursuing Him. He's only called you here because He wants to reveal Himself to you. See, that's exactly what happened to me. God revealed Himself to me. He ministered to me. showed me, no, this is who I am. See, that all happened through the revelation of the Word of God. Somebody was operating with the Logos being in them and the Spirit of God came forth and gave revelation. So let's go back to this passage of Scripture. The word learn is not mere human learning but in divinely taught modes of instructions and eloquence. I want you to write down 1 Corinthians 2, 1-16. through 16. And that is pretty sad. We are taught by the Spirit of God. It's God's wisdom. The mystery of God that was once hidden, now revealed to us who have received of His Spirit. We have received of the Spirit of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. So remember, it's the Holy Spirit that gives the Logos. It's the Spirit of God that works in you that the Logos can be built up in your life. And it's the Holy Spirit that works through you to give a word in season to all those who are weary. It's His work. That's why they call it the sword of the Spirit. It's Him working in you and through you to the lives of other people. And all because we have something in place. We want them. We desire them. So let's go back to Isaiah. I love it. It continues going. Once again, let's start at verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? O which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities you have sold yourself, and for your transgression is your mother put away. Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? And I sought for a man. When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? And he goes on to say what he did in verse 4. It goes straight into verse 4 about... His servant. It says, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. For what reason? That I should know 
how to speak a word. So there's a knowing how to speak a word in season to those that are weary. But only when you've been given the tongue of the instructed. Only when you've been instructed, you've been taught, you've been discipled. All of those things, they denote there's some heavy, there's some heavy action on my end that I'm going after this. So let's go to, we have some time, let's go to the book of, uh, let's continue reading. I'm sorry, the Lord God, verse 4, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by warning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as to learn. The Lord God hath opened my ear. And I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I love that because that's in reference to the bondservant. Right there. He's opened my ear. Uh, in Psalms chapter 40, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. Mine ear thou hast opened. He's like, Jesus was saying, I am your bondservant. I am your servant. And we go back to that bondservant. And, and, and I'm going to be spending some more time in this bondservant as it comes, comes up. The bondservant had the right to do whatever he wanted to do when he was free. Because he was set free. For those that don't know, the bondservant in the Old Testament, he was a servant. He was actually a slave. He was slave, but with God's people, God says that at a certain time, you're going to have to release all your slaves. They have to go free. And it was that time and the servant came to the slave and said, You are free. And in the mind, think about it. Anybody that's in slavery, I guarantee certain people in slavery, there are certain things that they cannot do. There are certain things that they are supposed to do. There are certain the roles that they have that this is what I have to do. And I guarantee you that there are dreams in that person's life. There's thoughts in that person's There's cares, there's desires, there's wants. Because it's in all of us. And all of us, and every human being, there's desires and cares. And the Bible says that when he was set free, he could have gone. He could have did what he wanted to. But he said, I love my master. And I love my master's house. I love my family. And he told him, make me your servant forever. What this servant found out is that he truly found freedom. Because that's where freedom is at. Being bound to your master. And I made mention, where years ago I saw this sign up there on when I, when I used to go by 6th Street. It said, uh, uh, Jesus Slaves is what, what I saw. It was a big old sign. It says, Jesus Slaves. And I never understood it. But you know what? He's the greatest master you could ever have. Because He doesn't bind. He doesn't bound you in the fashion where you're, you're in bondage. You can do, and I've told people all the time, I can do whatever I want to do. I remember telling some, you know, if I wanted to go smoke some dope, I can do that. If I wanted to go get drunk, if I, I can do that. If I wanted to go have sex with a woman, I can do that. I can do whatever I want to. I said, but God never told me I couldn't. He told me, I'm going to show you the way of life, and I'm going to show you the way of death. And I want you to choose life that you may live. And I choose life, and because I choose life, why do I choose life? Because He's good. Because I know he is a, He's the one that loves me like nobody else has loved me. He's the one. And that's exactly what the slave saw. Slave saw, you know what? My master is good. He has treated me well. I want to be bound to him forever. So, right here he's telling us, this is the way for God to do whatever he's going to do in your life. You have to be bound to him. We have to go after him. We have to make him the pursuit. We have to make him, like I told you, interested in involved in and engaged in a pursuit. So let's go to the book of 
Matthew chapter 4. And we'll end with Matthew chapter 4. Let's see a word of wisdom, a word of in season that was given to Jesus. And He is the Word. So I ask you, was it really given for His benefit? Did He really? Because there was no failure in Jesus. What did He say? He says, the enemy has come to me, but he has nothing in me. It's like, what does he have? What can he do to me? You know, what God was not, the Lord was not going to fail. There was no failure in Jesus. He overcame for you. He did what he did for you. So this word that he got, or we gave to the enemy, that's for your benefit. Verse, verse 1 of Matthew chapter 4. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Interesting. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he afterwards was a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command thee these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's interesting. He's like, he told him, he's basically telling him, I will not live by the dictates of my flesh. I will not be ruled by my flesh. I'm hungry. I want this. I desire this. But man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 because he received that because that came from somewhere else. You remember, everything spoke of Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's find out where this came from. Because he's, he's just speaking scripture that was already written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He was referring to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And let's start there. Let's go there. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let me get there. Let's run there. If I get there before you, which I doubt. I'm going to start reading. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 1. All the, the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do. That ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee. To know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know. Why? That he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. That word observe, it means to guard and watch. To guard and to watch. It's also used in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and 32 in the same fashion, observing to do all that the Lord has commanded. Again, that Hebrew word used there means to be careful, to beware, to pay attention, make sure, to watch oneself and guard oneself. That is to learn or remember information and take care to watch for danger. I'm going to go over that. Observing to do His commandments. So remember, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he commanded them, all the commandments that I give you, you shall observe to do. So he's like, no, there's some, something that you have to do in order for you to come to this place where you're going to have a word to speak in season, even when you're weary, there's some things that have to be in place in your life. He said, you must observe. See, remember, this word given to Jesus was to sustain him and protect him. To, to, as he was going, sustain him. And, and remember I told you, it wasn't given for his benefit, it was given for your benefit. Because unless you observe to do all that He has commanded you to do, and that word observe, I told you, is to be careful, beware, pay attention, make sure, watch oneself and guard oneself. So, when we actually go through this passage of Scripture, I like the fact because after everything that we go through, and every temptation, in order for us to overcome and for that word to be working and we have a word in season, things are going to have to be in place in our lives. We're going to have to do... There's a work on our part. Remember I told you, all I've made available for you, but it's available for your taking. God is like, okay, I want to work not only in you, but through you. So, Logos is made available for all mankind because we all have access to this. But for the Spirit of God to work not only in you. Because remember, the Spirit of God is... Have you ever sat there and all of a sudden because you've spent time in something? Because remember, people that have been given the tongue of the learned, they hear differently. They hear differently. Morning by morning, He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. They hear differently. It's interesting because the, when I read the Scriptures... Things are said to me differently. I like, oh my goodness, that is good. And then I can run here and say, like for example, when I read this, I'm like, no, but he's referring to something in Deuteronomy. Let's go back and see what God is saying in Deuteronomy. And God is like, he'll open that and say, well, this is what I meant. And this is why, you know, these things are happening. All these different things is how God speaks to someone with the Logos is in them. They, may, they, they observe to do all. They, wanna, they watch out for it. They guard it. They protect it. They, they're saying, no, I just can't. Like, for example, you know how you do that? How you guard it? How you protect it? You protect it and guard it by the decisions you make. The decisions you make to either draw near to God or be pulled away from God. Some people are like, no, I really want to travel. And you know what? You're free to do whatever you want to do. You can do those things. You're able to, you know what, if you're single, if you don't have a family, there's a lot of things that you can be doing. But God says all those things are lawful for you to do, but they are not expedient for you to do. Because what I want to do is not just work in you. See, you've got to understand what you just hindered, you hindered the Spirit of God to now be able to work in you. And you're like, well, I can go anywhere. Can you really go anywhere? Can you really go anywhere without you being critical about how they do things in their church? And what I mean by that, you go to places and you visit us like, wow, you know, that's not how we do things. That's not the word that we get. That's not the understanding that we get. Oh, I know that's not right. You know how that brother said that? That's just not, that's not right. And I'm not saying we're the only place because it's wrong. If we think that we're the only place, we're, we're definitely naive people. There are people that really love, there's people out there that love Jesus more than you. You just get a grip on that. 
You know that there's people out there that love Jesus more than us? There's people out there. there. There's people that out there in other countries that sacrifice more than you. There's people in other countries that are in more danger than you that serve God. And they still serve God. There's, more, there's people up there that hunger for more than what you already have. And there's, it's not available for them. But they love God. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is those decisions that you make because you're free to do those things, you've hindered the work of the Spirit of God in you. Because remember, the Spirit of God is here doing a work. So you've got to let Him do the work in you so He can do the work through you. See, that Logos is made available for you. But what are you going to do with it? Because what you do with it, remember I told you, I told you the answer earlier. I gave you an answer and I want to read it. I said, so they are both associated, the Logos and the Rhema. They're both associated with the Spirit of God and they both basically mean uttered or spoken by God. So what's the difference? And I told you, the difference can be experienced by what you do with what has been given to the apostles, the Logos. I'll only experience a word given in season to speak to those who are weary by what I do with what God has already made available for me. And that is the Logos. God has made it available for us. How much do you want it? And he goes back and he says, do you want... See, my thing is, it all comes to, to the point because God already knows how much we want it. He already knows how much we... God already knows if He's going to give it to you or you're going to be able to operate in it. He already knows what decisions you're going to make if He starts pouring in your life. What decisions you're going to make that are going to alter or mess up somebody, mess up your life or mess up somebody else's life. And then you've got this attitude, well, God already knows what's the, what's, you know, why, why should I do anything? God already knows what I'm going to do. But the thing is, you have a choice to do what you're going to do now. Like everything that's been made available in the teachings that come forth at Church of the Living Water. Every one of us are in the same boat. From those that minister to those that are out there. Because that same word that's been made available, I have to go get it. Nobody's, nobody's out of nothing. The only reason I'm telling you is the difference between the person that's given a word and season to speak to those that are weary is the person that is drawn near to God. If you read that Isaiah 51, that's what he's saying. He goes, I, I gave myself to this. He said, I gave myself my back to the smiters. I, I let people do things to me and I'm paraphrasing. He said, and I would not turn away. See, and that's the thing about God is that I'm like, it's just like Peter. And I'm almost out of time. It's just like Peter. Peter told Jesus how much he loved him and what he would do for him. And God looked in the depths of Peter's soul and said, that's not what you're all about. Not yet. Because God knew what Peter was going to do. But he knew he wasn't there. So he said, this very night you're going to deny that you even know me. You're going to run from... You're going to deny that you even know who I am. And that's what he did. But Peter was not perfected. Once again, Peter stayed with God. In his humiliation, in his fear, in his struggle, in his sorrow, he stayed with God. Because don't you remember what he told him at the, in his ministry? He said, where else am I going to go? He said, where else? He, goes, he said, when Jesus told his disciples, okay, does this saying offend you? If you don't drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, that you have no life in you? 
He said, does this offend you? Are you also going to walk away? And G. Peter said, look, where else can we go if you're the only one that has the word of life? You're the only one. See, that's the attitude that you must have about Jesus, that He is your only option. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what happens. Jesus is your only option. Like, Lord, I don't understand and I'm fearful, but You are my only option. Where else am I going to go? What am I going to do? Okay, I have an opportunity for this job opportunity, this schooling opportunity, this relationship opportunity. Man, things are really going my way. I have a chance to do these things. And God says, yes, you do. What are you going to do? I, I give you that choice. But you better make it out of love. Don't forget who brought you out. Don't forget what He's already done for you. And... Please, don't think that you're doing it for somebody else. This is all about you. You've got to decide, okay, what am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do with my God? What am I going to do with His Word? That was all... He's like putting on the armor of God. He's like, I present it to you. What are you going to do with it? And that's where we're at. Every one of us are at the same place. With every word that goes forth, what are we going to do with it? And we have to decide, okay, do I have the right heart? Do I have the right intent? Is this what I really want? I'm going to go after it. And you know what? You may not have it all together right here and now. And you don't. None of us have it all together right then and now. Some of us struggle with like, like, you know what? What about my family? What about my husband? What about my children? You know, they're not lining up. You know, whatever is going on, whatever, whatever difficulty... Whatever you know, hindrance you've had, God is like, I already knew you were going to go through that. But what are you going to do now? And after all, you, after all of that, it's like, well, I'm in a place where I never wanted to be. And we've all been there. In a place of, man, I, God, I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. All of us have been there. Every one of us have been there. But the love of God in you saying, I want you. And that's where you've got to come. Let us stand to our feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.